Ring, ring the ring. In honor of the black phone, what's cinema's most memorable phone call? I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going with It's a Wonderful Life, which has Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed's insanely sexy phone call. They're on this old-timey phone. They're talking to the guy who's her boyfriend at the time, and it ends with them making out, but also him scolding her about how he doesn't want a normal life. Uh, It's such a great movie. Uh, They're the best. I'm Matt Patches, and I usually try and go out there in our lightning rounds, but I feel like this is such a monumental truth that I have to say Scream, and I have to say the first call from Scream. Do you like scary movies? That was a bad Scream voice. Wait, can I do that over? That was was a weird Scream voice. Do you like scary movies? No, wait, that's not (laughs) it. I'll get it later. We'll work on this. And I'm David the Seven, and as editor of this podcast, it's the phone call between Dimitri and the president from Dr. Strangelove. This one, right here. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 397. It's pandemic 118. It is the week of Wednesday, June 22nd. That's the day that in 1955, Lady and the Tramp was released. I don't know why, but up? as I read... Ah, Did you, have you watched it with like kids? <laughs> well, in yeah, terms of, well I know Katie a, said that the uh, Siamese cats minute. got canceled and stuff, but you know. I mean, this, I mean these cats are a little rough. No, uh, I mean, there's also the like the the whole um, like the Peggy Lee like tramp dog, like lady like girl tramp dog who sings about the tramp. Um, I don't know. Lady the tramp seems fine. Have you ever just... slurped a piece of uh, pasta with your lover and smooched at the end of it? Have you ever tried? I to think do most that people who have tried to do that in real life have failed because uh, I think it just winds up getting sauce all over your face. Well, also when you're the age that you see Lady and the Tramp, your idea isn't "I wish I could do that." Your idea is "Can I make two dogs do that?" And you <laughs> can't. I've, I've learned from experience. Yeah, you definitely can't make two dogs do that. Oh, wow. You guys remember how they made a remake of that? Like, not that they long really ago. Did. That was the Disney yeah. Plus mm-hmm. launch. Yeah, like one of the ever, first things I they put on that. Disney Plus. I never Can't watched it. Can't imagine watching that. No, hell no. No, life is a hard life is short and precious. The, in the Tramp remake. Sorry. <laughs> because the dog's not sexy enough, right? <laughs> That's right. You're I just mean, mad. Anthropomorphic, uh, anthropomorphic Tramp. Uh, I feel like what, I'm not making that up. That was a thing. You want to make a live-action Robin Hood with humans? That's not nearly sexy enough. <laughs> well, Tramp, Tramp always had a kind of like Han Solo energy, right? Oh, definitely. When, when you're looking at him in a medium close-up where you don't have to see him walking on all fours, I could see seeing that dog is kind of hot. He's rugged. He's a scamp. <laughs> He's a little bit of He's a, a tramp, Solo. and we love him. He's a tramp. <laughs> uh, makes a, something every day. Wouldn't, wouldn't want it any other Anyway, way. it's a movie podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> David's not here. He's in Italy with his child. Or in Portugal with his child. He He's is been all the... over the place. So we haven't seen he him is... on the podcast in a while. Like once. He was once, on last once. week, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, in he a was, segment. He was. He was. Just right. not with patches. Right. right. It was a, it was we a... finally took advantage right, yeah. of the fact that there are four people on the podcast and we could just be like break into pods and do different things. Uh not it's not easy for Dave. Give Dave a round of applause, everybody. While Give Dave a round of applause. <laughs> also, a thank you to um, last week's uh, guest, Matt Singer, who I ran away from, uh, but I was so glad to have him here. <laughs> yeah, and pain painfully brought up how much we all liked Amazing Spider-Man too. <laughs> I didn't bring that up. That was not that was not on me. Fair, fair. Uh, David's not here, but I do hear that we have some listener feedback. 
We do. We're going to read emails this week. I'm not going to check uh, online because this first email says, read this email to cancel all iTunes reviewed on the episode of Fighting in the War Room and give Dave a 55-second window to talk about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes and discard this email and all other emails with the same name from the podcast. Wow. Which I think is funny, but we'll at least wait uh, until David's back to talk about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. We both hit a landmark recently. And it's a big one Are in they the doing game. An Obi Wan time it t- tie-in. I shouldn't ask. Yes, the Grand Inquisitor comes out on oh, Thursday. There you go. Hey, there he is. Uh, it wasn't what I was going to talk about. We'll 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 deal with all of that later <laughs> because we do have emails. Uh, this one's from Abby in London. It says, "Hey, Fitwer Gang, I started listening to the podcast back in the long forgotten days of often having two episodes a week." One review. I didn't make this oh up, God. right? I swear I remember this. <laughs> oh God. Abby, you're correct. That used to happen. We had mm-hmm. so much time on our hands. We had so much free time. <laughs> we saw a lot of movies, too. We did. We saw each other at a lot of those movies, which is wow. kind of where this all started. Time I know. flies. I know. Same movies now. with your friends. We are old now. We're, we're about to talk about a movie where this, like, I'm too old for you lady is legit five years younger than me right mm. now. <laughs> So it's it's going to happen. Um, okay, back to Abby. A couple of years back, some things changed in my life and my listening habits swerved around. And whilst the eps still came into my feed, I hadn't checked in for a while. I started listening again recently and it felt like I'd never left. I've had the podcast address written down since Dave mentioned it a few weeks ago and I'm finally getting getting to leaving something. Sorry to Galaxy of Heroes fans. I had found so many cool films to watch at the pod back in the day and I look forward to many more years of recommendations and thoughtful discussions to come. What a lovely Wow, review. that was so nice. Many more years. How long are we doing this? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. No, we're not canceling the podcast. I'm here. Can't do it. Oh, shit. If I outlast you podcast or patches, the podcast I'm will podcast outlast patches. I'm a podcast now. I have become a podcast. You're a podcast. I'm yeah. a sentient podcast. <laughs> you are. Patchcast. Patchcast. Oh, shit, uh, damn. <laughs> this other one uh, is titled, Love the Show, Sad Story of Sad Coincidence. And this is from Ari. Said I left an iTunes review way back in July of 2018 when Joanna Robinson's recommendation led me to the show, and I've listened ever since. I wanted to share a story of something that happened yesterday. I listened to episode 389 from back in April, where y'all revisited Boogie Nights and mentioned the magnificent Philip Baker Hall's performance. Mm. In a morbid circumstance, when I finished the episode, I saw some dedications to him from folks on Twitter. Before I knew it, I saw the official news of his passing. May he rest in peace. It was a weird turn of events to see this news following your podcast, but life is full of happenstance, isn't it? Thanks for the great show and continue what you all do. No, oh, that uh, that is a positive weird positivity here. Yeah, I'm not, people seem to like the podcast. I'm not taking the blame for killing Philip Baker Hall. I just want to be clear. We had oh, uh, wow, you don't claim we, we your had killings. recorded it earlier. Typically, <laughs> no, the curse true. was specifically on Ari's MP3, and when he opened the MP3, that was when the curse activated. Wow, Jesus, mm-hmm. Katie, a witch. Um, <laughs> the black. <I> <laughs> Is that our by. last formal email, Dave? Because I, I do <laughs> have, I wanted to email, flag yes. one uh, email. We've been getting some very positive feedback from uh, listener Sharon, who did request that we do not read her emails verbatim. But I, I have to give a shout out. She followed up on our mini segment last week where I was complaining about getting mail from my old homeowner um, and figuring what out what a movies podcast <laughs> for years we mostly come. talk about movies here but sometimes we talk about the mail I get for the person who used to live in my house uh, it actually was a fascinating conversation many good points made and uh, the follow up email was that uh, this is just a useful piece of advice if you are getting 
mail from from a prior owner, uh, all you have to do is use a Sharpie and clearly write, please forward and the new address and figure out their new address and dump it in the mailbox and the postal service will will start forwarding their their mail to that new address. And I should say, well, she she mentions like this is this is just good practice because uh, likely the people who are not picking up their mail or forgot to forward their mail might be older than you, and we should treat older generations of people with with respect and try and help them. My old homeowner is older than me, but I actually have a good relate. I we have a texting relationship. I don't really know her. She lives in town. I will not. What do like, you text your the person? But... What do you text them about? I oh, text God, about the Kate, mail, I guess. This get is them. why you left early <laughs> last week. Is Listen to, to last week's podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, I text things like, hey, your daughter's horse magazine came, and uh, do you want to get it? Or, like, for some reason, an Amazon box arrived at my house that you ordered somehow, but it's at my house. So I do, mm. do, the, I do the work, people. Uh, there's just certain mail. Go to last week's episode if you want an okay. in-depth uh, investigation into what to do with mail that they're just not picking up. Uh, but yes, very good advice here. You can you can take matters into your own hands and sharpie some information. If you have the info, you can make change in this world. And the little things that we do for other people, even if we don't know them, I feel like that's a, a good thing for society. So I will probably do that. Dave's mm. shaking his head. No, fuck them. Burn the mail. <laughs> turn your back. I don't... Walk away I don't from like the, the idea of that the if mail. I have yeah. access to somebody's mailbox. Hey, it's Dave here from the Edit Bay, cutting out the part where I outline how to commit mail fraud. All oh, right, wow. let's not do mini segment part wow. two. Wow. <laughs> Fair enough. We're actually going to talk about movies on this podcast today, so get. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad somebody wrote in with an answer, though. Let's. I like more answers. I oh, have- sorry. Uh, you you can also write in at fitwr dot podcast at gmail dot com. Leave us a review on iTunes because there is Galaxy of Heroes things to talk about, and I really want to talk. Or about Or send it. Dave snail mail. Find his address. Put please forward <laughs> and get all of your mail sent to him. You the cooling man. You send you up. Reason cooling nine to nine two zero. All right. <laughs> There's a new Pixar in theaters, and although Pixar has released some, I think, pretty good movies on the Disney Plus uh, <laughs> streaming service yeah, uh, since the pandemic started, I, I was a fan of Soul, although it's not hard to sell me on animated movies in general and ones with Trent Reznor soundtracks. Uh, and music. And then, yeah, Turning Red, we talked about recently on this podcast, and I said some crazy things, and now we're back with the newest... <laughs> Pixar, but this one's in theaters. God, this what, was their one last, is a, what was their last theatrical movie? Uh, just for our own memory of the before Toy Story times. 4? No. Um, oh, really? no, it was um, on, Onward, which like sort of oh, opened yes. in theaters and sort of yes. didn't. And then it got like, didn't, kicked It opened like Disney a Plus. week before the pandemic, right? Right. That's right. correct. Holy cow. So it actually did open Onward, in theaters. That movie yeah. has no cultural legacy whatsoever. It no. barely happened. Did Not any bad, of us though. watch Onward? Yeah, Have we I've seen Onward. This? Okay. Along with a lot of uh, non-Spider-Man Tom Holland is going to be just like a blip in history mm-hmm. that happened it's once. It's not a, it's not an offensive nightmare like Cherry, which I saw and no one else should ever oh, have to. But, uh, <laughs> we talked about yeah, it's not, well, bad. not bad. We also talked about the, the devil everywhere all the time, also inside my cherry Lots butt. And it was Holland. never saw that one. Not great. 
Anyway, this does not have Tom Holland in it, no, but it does have Chris <laughs> Evans in it. Uh, it is Lightyear. It's the, the movie oh that inspired the toy that inspired uh, Buzz, the Toy Story. Yes, yeah. Chris I mean, Evans was wrong when he tweeted after the Disney investors <laughs> call that it was based on the real Buzz Lightyear. He is not a real man. He is a... Well, actually, he still could be a real man, right? Like, the movie could be based yes. on his life? Well, so the que- when the question that has been answered is, is this a live-action movie in the world of Toy Story? Are those human actors? That has actors? also not been answered. I get the sense it I'm... is. They also said, to... They've also said that it's a movie from the 80s that Andy what? eventually saw on VHS. Oh, really? They told our, our, our pal Mike Ryan at Uproxx, did an interview with the director, where they said not it's not a 1995 movie. It's actually like a 1987 movie or something what? that Andy saw on VHS and later bought the toys for. Which is ridiculous. There's absolutely mm-hmm. nothing I, about this movie that feels will, like it was made in 1987. Yeah, I was about to say, I haven't even seen this movie yet. And I know for a fact that this movie has nothing in common with the movies of the 80s or 90s. This is squarely a 2022 film for I mean, reasons that are very overt textually and maybe uh, visually and, and beyond. And, and beyond. And beyond. I mean, I think it's stupid to be like, they say it's a movie from the 90s, but like it has like a black character in it. Like, okay. But for to be like, no, 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 it's not from 95, it's the 80s. Now I'm mad. Like, I wasn't upset about this, and now I'm upset, because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> when it was the 90s, it was fine. When it was the well, 80s. Well, it was just like, when I wasn't no. supposed to think about it, it was like, whatever. But now they're like, no, it's from a specific time period that has nothing to do with Toy Stories. That make no sense. Here's the movie's biggest problem. This whole conversation. <laughs> Why couldn't we just have had a Pixar space movie? Because here's the thing. But our movie looks we, really like, good. I thought you would cut through all this prelude and all the internet chatter about this movie and and tell me that Lightyear is really just like a big Pixar sci-fi movie that none of this has anything to do with the movie itself like no that's the, true doesn't the movie stand alone yes. from all this conversation when you just I think if the movie outside was, of the title I think if the movie the was good we wouldn't be talking about any of this oh shit okay I, yeah. <laughs> here we go if the if the movie was at the level of other than onward Pixar theatrical releases because there's a thing yeah. across Almost like Golden Age. Uh, mm. I don't know about that. Wow. Let's okay. go to that. Okay. Katie. <laughs> I haven't seen Onward in a while. Okay. I don't know if I'm ready for this. No, 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 you don't have to necessarily do that, but it does mean that you did not like Lightyear. And I am just puzzled why Lightyear is Lightyear, but in terms of like a movie with a plot and visuals, I enjoyed it. I like animated action. So it was definitely more towards my pocket yeah uh what did you what Wait, was what, what was a step too far movie? what's the actual premise uh, of like well let me tell you so yeah. <laughs> what it seems that they wanted to make is a movie in which buzz lightyear is with a ragtag group of people who he has to teach us how to be space rangers but in the process he has to learn how to rely on a team which you might remember is pretty much the plot of toy story um mm-hmm. and to get there they cook up a really convoluted setup. Dave, would you agree with me that the process to get to the point of Buzz Lightyear teaming up with Kiki Palmer, et cetera, is uh, very convoluted? Uh, I agreed with you until I saw the Disney Plus Lightyear special. (laughs) Uh, That is the most you response. No. If only you watched the hour-long Lightyear special on Disney Plus, you would understand. done my research for this children's movie. I mean... Um, uh, it, it's it does a it does a, a Chris Nolan amount of bending over backwards to itself before it gets to what it's at. Yes, yeah. I, so I agree. so Buzz Lightyear is a space huh. ranger. He and uh, Alicia Hawthorne, voiced by Uzo Aduba, are kind of like partners exploring different planets, and they land on this planet to ex- look for 
something and then they have to get out and then it's, it's maneuvered that is almost exactly what happens in Top Gun Maverick where he's trying to pilot a ship of, like up a really steep mountain to get over it to get everybody safe in time. And I saw these movies 12 hours apart. I was like, what? How is this the exact same thing? Um, <laughs> but except instead of Maverick, who just does it flawlessly, uh, Buzz Lightly your crashes a ship and then all these people are, are stranded on this planet. And so he has to get back a hyperspeed drive to be able to get them off of this planet. So he goes out to test it out. But because of time dilation, this is a movie for kids that explains time dilation. And I really should check in with my children who I saw this with if they understood any of that. So he keeps going back. But then four years pass every time he tries. So mm-hmm. time moves very quickly for the people back on the planet, including his friend Alicia Hawthorne, who uh, gets married to a lady. Like, whoa, let's, ah! let's talk about what's appropriate for children here. Um and then has a whole like you know, like up married lifestyle montage about her life while Buzz Lightyear stays the same. And oh, then well, they get he to do comes... like a mini up intro moment. Or... Yeah, pretty much. Like you watch her life proceed while he kind of keeps trying and failing now to solve it. Out. And you you see her son, and then Don't she dies. To that you die eventually. Yeah, exactly. You know, you see you. you see her die, and he has a robot cat who is like trapped in his apartment, waiting for him for years <laughs> while he goes off on these space adventures. And then he tries it one last time and crashes while landing back on the planet. And I don't remember why. And then finds these people like outside the like bubble that's protecting the people. And it's Kiki Palmer and Taika Waititi and another lady and a robot. Uh, He does it. He succeeds at the hyperdrive. He does. And it it only crashes because at this point, uh, Zerg has invaded with his uh, Zerg bots. So he. Okay. I know Zerg. Zerg. Right. Yeah. Do you know movies. about Lightyear's version of Zerg? Because we might get into spoiler territory to tell you about no, what happens there. I'm okay. Sure, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll get there. Let's, we'll let's ring throw that gong. A spoiler. Yeah. I, well, I'm gone. okay with. I'm okay if you wanna if you wanna spoiler gong uh, this part of Lightyear because it is sort of like what how well, the movie. Well, before you do that, I mean, for people listening like me who have not seen this, who may be. I don't know. I don't. I'm not gonna go to the theater to see this one. I don't think. Actually, Katie, I'm especially curious about your kids seeing it and if it felt like kid appropriate. Or my daughter is four, so I don't think she's gonna see Lightyear. She actually just saw the original Toy Story for the first time um, and dug that. I was very worried about like Sid being terrifying, but no, we mm. we, we overcame the grotesqueness of 1995 CG animation and uh, <laughs> disgusting to- toys being made out of. Yeah, Sid's toys are Um, scary. That's true. They're they're freaky. Um, I also have to remember that I saw Toy Story in theaters when I was nine. Holy cow! Mm -hmm. That movie is old too. I'm not just old. That movie's really old. I saw. I have vivid memories. Here's total sidebar because I think this is such a weird clash of things. Uh, I remember seeing Toy Story in theaters in 1995 with my grandpa. And we were seeing it projected on film because obviously everything was projected on film in 1995. And there were like the burns in the film. And he was like, what are those? Do you know what those are? And I'm like, it was, I was, he was blowing my mind. Like the, the print of the film would be burned. And yet I was watching CG computer animation. I just find looking back at that to be like, here is how things used to work. That was a moment in, <laughs> in time. Very old in sure. time. Pre-flight, <laughs> pre-flight yes. club film. But amazingly, it's a very uh, pure thing. That original Toy Story movie, very brisk, very simple movie that kids can mm-hmm. enjoy. You, hearing you describe Super Lightyear, I'm like, simple. is my four-year-old going to enjoy Lightyear? Probably not, right? I mean, no. Well, I mean, I took I took two kids. One is almost six and likes complicated movies and was very into it. And one is three and would probably sit through anything if he had popcorn, which we had. he had a... Uh, like we went to the Alamo Draft House where you get the mixing bowl of popcorn and he Ooh, yeah, like, like yeah. ate more than he should have. 
uh, but didn't get sick. So we'll take that as a victory. That's a win. Um, it's a great movie. I don't think he especially liked it. Like, I don't think it is a movie aimed for a kid of that age at all. I mean, it's got good action in it, though. And it's got a really, really cute robot cat, which counts for a lot. It I mean, does. It seems and to that's... want to be Star Wars for this generation on, on some level or like uh... emulate that, what that movie did. With special effects. It, wants, it doesn't really have it Star Wars to, energy, I don't think. No, story-wise, it's not Star Wars, it, but it wants to be that visually and tactically. Mm. So it's like a lot of the things that I'm appreciating about this movie is they took something that was like designed to be like a dumb toy from a cartoon and sort of reverse engineered it. And now it's all like textured out and the, you know, all the buttons have labels and it has like that degree of detail uh and has like things like the autopilot which is never referenced in any toy story but it's sort of like an interesting element in terms of how like these ships work uh, as like pilots but again all this is like nerdy stuff that i think is really just this is a like a space action movie uh the the montage thing every time that buzz is testing the hyperdrive it's a lot like uh you know the maverick testing trying to go mach 10 at the beginning of mm-hmm. you know maverick sure is uh in terms of you know that type of thrill but they're trying to deliver that and then you know there's a whole bunch of like fighting robots in interesting ways and they're trying to deliver just like a little humming space action movie uh that i don't think yeah i the weirdest thing about this is that it, it has to be buzz lightyear mm. because even when the reveal of uh zerg's true intentions let's say happens uh you're like this also didn't have to be buzz lightyear like i don't get why we're here because it complicates things you know why we're here like well i mean uh, yeah it complicates things like why do these spaceships look kind of cool and like it would exist but am i meant to believe that all humans if this is live action have like the buzz lightyear chin like the character (laughs) design of the main character like is not realistic in any sense. Um, yeah, and then it does weird. Andy th- didn't quite have that. I guess all humans in this world do not have. Maybe it is animated, Katie. To that point, yeah. Like Andy, doesn't yeah. Have this is the... your chin. It could be, yeah. It doesn't and then feel like... like it's tra- like I don't know what it would do to try to make it seem like it's supposed to be real people, but CGI animated people. None of that makes any sense. But it doesn't feel like they did. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. The more you try to get into that, the more you're going to be less impressed by what is there. <laughs> which is just like a, you know, a space action movie. He does the weird time dilation thing. And the reason it's four year gaps is because that's uh, how long it takes to go from like a first pitch to a completed animated movie at Pixar. Oh, really? So all of these people at Pixar see themselves as the Buzz Lightyear's where they go and make a project and then they kind of come back and are ejected back into real life and four years have passed without them influencing it. That was the part from the making of special where I was like, oh, now this makes a lot more sense. It does make more sense. uh, As to why it's here. But eventually when it gets to like the ragtag group of people that need to invade a giant spaceship and be a pilot, but they're not good at being a pilot, they can make things blow up. It all reads perfectly fine and perfectly Disney to me. It's it feels kind of like, yeah. I don't know, Treasure Planet or whatever that movie was, right, where yeah. it's like, this is fun, but why this hook? You know, mm-hmm. like, couldn't we just have been a space movie? Well, Isn't Disney that logic cool for the last like 30 years, it's we need something for boys. 
And they, yeah. And, then, and this is for boys, apparently. Toy Story has always been for boys. Toy Story and Cars, always for boys. Um, and they keep. I mean, there there is a good things. girl character. Like the Kiki Palmer character, I think is probably the most interesting character in the movie. Like she's the she's kind of more of the lead than Buzz is almost for a lot huh. of the that middle sequence. I mean, it's still about him, but like she she's kind of like the plucky youth who kids sure. would identify with more. Yeah. The the re- when she comes on, it's great because we don't know anything about her. And with Buzz Lightyear, they have two notes they can play. Mm-hmm. They can play the same note as like Solo, where it's like, "You want to know where Han Solo got his blaster? A dude gave it to him." You know, like that. <laughs> or they could. So Lightyear break doesn't from have a know. funny. Uh, this is how he got his Lightyear name uh, scene. Like I'm. Uh... The name's Buzz. Buzz what? Uh, I don't know. I just traveled light years away. I guess light year. No, nothing like that. No, no there's nothing quite that. But there is, mm-hmm. there is a lot of stuff of like, here's how we like incrementally get to like the suit, the suit, which is interesting. But like, again, I don't care. No, and that's uh, not something I would even notice. And we own, right. and we the, own Buzz Lightyear pajamas. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> and the other thing it could do is, uh, oh, I guess they also talk about like how he got his laser uh, mounted on it because initially the space rangers you know don't have like a laser or something like that anyway and then the other track track it could play is uh defying expectation by what seemingly is like breaking canon which is what they end up doing with zerg uh which again we just talk about wouldn't this. have been Let's problems ring the gong yeah tell give me a big spoiler to wrap up this segment Katie, tell him about Zerg. Very curious. Uh, Zerg is Buzz from the future. Oh, no. Come on. They do have a similar (laughs) shaped face, I guess. From the future? How? Well, there's all this time dilation going on. uh, And so this version of Buzz uh, kind of just kept going, I guess. Like, he never crash landed and hung out with Kiki Palmer, right? Uh, I believe that's it, yes. But it's not an alternate timeline, I guess they don't. No, it they, is an alternate timeline. Okay, but they don't introduce that concept. They're just like, we're from the future. It's exactly the same. So Buzz yeah, will not like, ultimately become evil Zerg. He still has a choice to make in life. That and that and the choice that he makes is not to so not to complete the mission, which is to try to get everyone off this planet, but to recognize that they had whole lives uh, as a result of his mistake. But he shouldn't go and undo it and wipe people like Kiki Palmer out of existence. So he learns yes. teamwork, basically. He learns teamwork and that he doesn't need to fix it by himself. And oh, all like the original things. Toy Story. Mm. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. I mean the the I guess the uh, the interesting connection is that if you were to base a toy on this personality, it would have the problems that fucking Buzz has as a toy. <laughs> so it's like that sort of makes sense in a like uh, Woody's roundup to Toy Story two analog would make sense that you you know the toys have some degree of whatever their fictional basis is. But I don't want to talk about that with this movie because that's literally the worst stuff about this movie. Moment to moment, it seems fine and fun. It's like inoffensive. I I mean, I guess I have a low bar for action animation, but this was fine for me. I left yeah. thinking, huh, I would have liked that better if it wasn't a Toy Story movie because it was not a Toy Story movie. Yeah, I'm not trying to go like super hard on Lightyear here because I also thought it was fine. I sat through the movie with my kids. I loved being <laughs> in a movie theater with my kids and they were engaged. Um, and then I have forgotten kind of all about it. Uh, I, like, And even Onward, I think, has stuck with me more. And maybe that's through the power of like watching it over and over again at home. And I think there's an interesting argument to be made about families who have gotten used to being able to see 
all this kid stuff at home right away and whether or not anyone's going to bother to see them in theaters anymore. Um, I hope that's not true and Minions might prove it wrong. But I was about to say, um, I just don't know if this movie feels like a kid's movie enough or it, it seems squarely aimed at people who the millennials who grew up and now want to see more Toy Story. But for them, right, it's not a really kid's movie. It's for the kids of 1995. Uh, and it yeah. doesn't seem to be doing that well. Maybe this was no. a miscalculation on Pixar's. Well, yeah, if, my... if the Toy Story movies are talking to boys, this is just the next iteration of that. Because it's basically like, you know, play together, don't like bogart your weird uh, technology and <laughs> shit and, you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta work as a team. But there is like this thing, because Buzz is Buzz, which in a movie that is much more diverse around Buzz because mm. they have to have Buzz being Buzz. It does sort of read. It's like, hey, straight white guy. Yes. It wasn't just your mistake. You don't need to fix it. Like, stop for a second and realize that you're, you're like hurting the world by moving through it the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Which it sort of gets through. Which I'm glad we have movies that say that. What does that this movie children, say about I Andy? Guess. He only bought Buzz. He didn't buy the that's, rest of the it, crew. It, that's yeah. a great question. Ooh, it, that is a great. Ooh, what, come on, first of the all, black if Andy was going to buy anything, he was going to buy the cat. Uh-huh, like if anybody's going to buy a toy from this movie, <laughs> you're going <laughs> to buy the cat. Yep. Uh, he didn't come with I, Buzz. I, doesn't come with the cat. I mean, he, they didn't, I, they didn't I mean, think it should. through. Yeah, that's that's an accessory problem. <laughs> but I guess how many accessories are going to have with a you know, 12-inch figure? The way Andy's buying the figures, and, and Dave, you would have insight to this because the way we would buy action figures of Star Wars in the 90s was not the way people bought figures of the movie when they actually came out. So we saw Star Wars on VHS, and then we still somehow bought Luke Skywalker action figures. Uh, but they were not – they were like third or fourth iterations of what – must have come out from Kenner. Now we got the Hasbro version. So there's a lot of questions to be asked about the toy lines and uh, who well, bought mean, the toy rights Story... to the Buzz movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, in Toy Story 2, it seems like there is a animated show or of some sort, right? Am I misremembering? But I, I keep thinking it's yeah, like the idea that... there is. So there was, like, there was like Star Wars, and maybe Andy's seen Star Wars, but because, you know, he saw Star Wars in 1995... He got the forces of power version of Luke right. Skywalker with the big chest and whatnot because that was the one that was around, hmm. uh, not because that is like the screen accurate. Right. He Buzz got the Lightyear. Rob Liefeld version, uh, redrawn of of Buzz for the '90s. In the '90s, everything was like hulking muscle and stuff, so that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and then also the plot that Buzz describes that he knows in the original Toy Story is like the plot of Rogue One. So he like he has plans to stop Zerg. From a planet destroying thing, so maybe at the end of Lightyear, there's still more before it becomes the toy Lightyear that Sequels. Andy would buy. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen for this movie. I don't think that's going to happen for this Sorry, movie. Lightyear. Maybe it's a Disney Plus uh, television show, Obi Wan style. Oh boy, Slinky Dog. Here we go. Six episodes, Slinky Dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's a question. Is John Ratzenberger not in this Pixar? And is this the first one he hasn't been in? Or have there been others? Nice, Mr. Uh, we're going to have to fact check that. I know. I noticed he's not. In the, like, I stayed in the credits as I was trying to like, there was some voice I wanted. Oh, I wanted to know if it was Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And it was. So I was proud of that. Um, but I noticed his name wasn't in the credits. So I wonder. It's just a sh- short. Well, he had somewhere. Uh, uh, according to my immediate research, he has not been in a Pixar movie since Onward. 
So he was not oh, okay. in Turning Red. He was not in Soul, and he's not in this. So maybe so in this, this new is, era of, of Pixar, yeah. he's, he's retired. Rats um, and Burger, he, Rats and he, Been Done. He and John Omar Lasseter. fighting in the war room. <laughs> I was about to say, he's Omar Omar fighting in the war room. He's been on the show. That was the weirdest thing that ever happened. John Rats and Burger. Anyway, that's uh, Lightyear. Let's move on. want to talk briefly about good luck to you leo grand is because it's a it's a fine movie i saw it at sundance i haven't seen it since so i don't have even any like detailed information to share um it's a searchlight pictures film it was picked up at sundance by searchlight um and then released on hulu which uh recent searchlight film fire island which we talked about was as well but the thing that is driving me crazy about this is that it was only released on hulu unlike say the adam sandler movie hustle which dave and i talked about last week which is a Netflix film, but was run in theaters somewhere, probably the theaters owned by Netflix only. Barely. So so that it will qualify for Oscars. And they're not doing that with Good Luck to you, Leo Grand, even though it stars Emma Thompson, who has multiple Oscars and who would absolutely get an Oscar nomination if they qualified this movie. So instead, it's going to be in the running for next year's Emmy Awards uh, when the TV huh. movie category, which is a complete clusterfuck every single year, because TV movie performances are looped in, are lumped in the same category as limited series, which is, of course, where all of the attention goes. Uh, so even if you are, say, Hugh Jackman giving an incredible performance in Bad Education, which was released by HBO a couple years ago, you're going to be totally ignored and lose to Mark Ruffalo. And it pisses me off that this is happening not just to this movie, which I think is pretty good, but to a Searchlight Pictures release. The people who won Best Picture with Nomadland last year... And somehow, in the party being owned by Disney and the pandemic and Hulu and something else, their movie, and I don't know who's making it. It might be them making this choice. They, they might not be the victims here, but it feels like a really terrible fate for this studio that's well, really important and then also this what, movie. What, t- give us like one or two lines on the scope of this movie. I mean, Nomadland is a big meditation on and has a, has a huge swing performance from Francis McDormand. My sure. understanding is this movie may not feel like that big a drop in the no. bucket. But you, you tell me, what is this movie about? Like you said, no, you no, said this that movie is certainly it is a Thompson much more absolutely get nominated. Like I mean, this is me and my like weird Oscar hype period, <laughs> but I think so. Um, I mean, it's a much smaller movie. It's an intimate kind of COVID production, and it's basically Emma Thompson and this guy in a hotel room where he's playing. Uh, I should look up the actor's name before I keep talking about this. Um, they're oh, in a hotel McCormick. room. Where she has. Uh, thank you. Um, she's hired him as a sex worker, basically as this uh, woman who's been who's unhappily married for so long, has never had an orgasm, and kind of wants to experience sex. Um, and it's, it, it plays out kind of like a play, like it's the two of them in a room talking. Um, but I think it's a significant movie. It had an impact at Sundance, and I think maybe even more so than Fire Island, which I think in some way was kind of like designed to be this like intimate at home viewing. Like it, it deserves at least the token release, and Fire Island does too. Honestly, like I think. You can mount an Oscar campaign for Fire Island screenplay 100%. Um, and the fact that they're not even bothering to do it for these films while, like, later this year, from all that we know, like, they've got a Martin McDonough movie coming out and a Yorgos Lanthimos movie coming out. They're not going to put that on Hulu. 
So they're establishing this tier system, which like Netflix has had as well. You know, not all of their movies are going to play in a theater so it can theoretically qualify for an Oscar. But it feels like with Searchlight in particular, this really important landmark mini major that has like really shepherded so many small movies that they're giving up on them uh, way too early. They seem to be getting lumped into just the Fox strategy that Searchlight and Fox yeah. pick, has become the the pipeline for Hulu. I mean, they're going to put a Predator movie out just on Hulu this year that mm-hmm. looks pretty dope. I mean, it looks well shot. It takes place in, in the past. I think it's like Native American uh, versus predator like oh it's called prey uh comes out sometime this summer i'm kind of out of the loop right now as i'm not all working but uh (laughs) it's definitely a movie that's coming out and it's like this movie's not gonna play in any theaters like you will get packed houses to see a predator movie if you put Mm -hmm. it in like 25 theaters 50 theaters 100 uh but like they're not they're not doing that this disney is maximalist or nada right like they don't really have an in-between model and i don't think they want one i think they need to pump up streaming or or go for broke with a marvel movie why would they have that in between they don't need I mean, oscars but i think they should need oscars i think that why? all like all now studio heads want prestige like they want to have a trophy at their house like why? all of them want that because every, they're human the beings who want trophies sure. but like yeah, bob, and I think bob doesn't i bet he i think he he does. To fry. Really? Well, I mean, he, like, there's obviously like a, plenty of internal drama going on over there, which like might be responsible for some of this too. But I think if you're trying to even pretend that you are standing for art and not just pure commerce, like it doesn't cost oh, yeah. very much to give an Oscar qualifying run to a movie like this. And I think we're still in a period where maybe, you know, putting Top Gun Maverick on streaming is a disaster. But I think small movies, like you can still get Oscar and awards attention for a movie that mostly is seen by people on streaming. I mean, Netflix has been doing that for years. I think it's a small price to pay for treating stars with respect, for getting movies' attention, and not just having them, like, shoveled into this content funnel, which happens to stuff on Netflix all the time anyway, despite the fact that they put things in theaters. Um, But it's depressing, and it's really depressing to see happen to, like, a movie that was a big deal at Sundance six months ago and now just kind of, like, blasts on here and is gone. Not to defend them, but I, I do wonder if we're, like, still backed up in theaters or like there's not room for a movie like this to distribute then again uh, as many as many box office analysts have said with lightyear kind of arriving cool to the box office there aren't that many movies out right now really like, not you could go see i mean the, the other thing was maybe theaters don't want to program a movie like this that's the dystopic why would we kind they? of live in because people won't come but like there are indie theaters all over the place that like program like stuff like this yeah. aimed directly toward adults. And I recognize that like That's the adult true. audience has been a real question mark, but also Top Gun is making a ton of money off of people our parents' age. So it's not like they're not coming to theaters. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, Disney's weird because I remember it's weird. a year or two ago, I mean I guess when they acquired Fox, there were big questions if anyone if like rep theaters would be able to book their movies ever again. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think the answer was no, you you won't. And everything from Fox will be under lock and key. And Disney doesn't do rep screenings of Disney movies. And now Fox is is it's just part of the Disney machine and the Disney machine is is bad unfortunately for at least for art as the way you're talking about um yeah, yeah I mean they had West Side Story like I mean Disney put West Side Story in theaters and like did I think 
their best with it and it got pummeled at the box office so i get being gun shy about it but in terms of just a qualifying release to get it to actually like be eligible to be considered for oscars that feels like a really but don't small you think that thing they must for them think to it do. will do better at the emmys than it will at the oscars i think it did i think they don't think it matters i think they don't want to spend the money on a campaign they don't think it's worth it and they'll like put their focus on something else and but just not care about how it looks to kind of burn off a movie like this in the process damn i know bleak dave you're gonna watch uh good luck to you leo grande Grand. Yeah, maybe. I'm just trying. I'm, I'm trying Grand, to. Uh, I'll watch the Leo Grande version. Sammy <laughs> Gonzalez. Um, I was uh, trying to like reverse Google how this could have possibly happened, and it's like it's one of those weird movies where it was theatrically distributed by Lionsgate, yeah. technically. And Searchlight just picked it up here. I think Lionsgate already had the international rights, which I think complicates part of the process here. Right. And then, uh, so they picked it up here from Sundance. So that's uh, earlier this year, 2022. Uh, this just reads as like it It had a, a piece of the pie of like a budget. And someone at some point was like, you know what? If we, we could have five more screens on Lightyear, if we ditch this part of the budget yeah. uh, for this like weird showing but it's like it's the same sort of thing where it's easier for like sony to like re-release uh morbius in the same quarter because they're already <laughs> going to take its fucking losses on the you know quarter so why not you know run it again uh it's like there's all these weird choices being made uh trying to take the um pandemic movies and the things that have been delayed because the post-production pipeline for like the top of the line movies is has been like horribly stalled. You have to imagine there's just levels of people trying to pick what movies go where when, and this one just seems like it got shuffled out. I thought that because I think you're right, Katie. They're at a high enough level. They're not awards oriented. Yeah, uh, sadly. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to recognize awards as almost a loss leader for your company. And, you know, you've got Netflix that shoveled a ton of money into awards to try to build their prestige. And Disney is kind of making a different play. But I think I think deep down, they all want these things to continue to exist uh, for this, you know, sake of a healthy industry or just for their own glory. Um, and they clearly didn't see it on this one, but it feels short sighted. It feels like giving up on something that matters. Here's my quick last question about this. What would this movie be rated if it were in theaters? Um, because I don't know. Doesn't Emma Thompson have like quite a bit of sex? Yeah, she gets she gets fully naked, but it's not like you're seeing like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the line on sex between NC-17 and R is, but I mean that could be a consideration too. Like, can Disney put out an NC-17 movie? Eh, probably it's not. It's not racier than anything I've seen on HBO, but you know that's a different. Thing. That is, but that's a that's not the MPA ratings anymore. I mean, no, I know. I wonder if that has something to do with it in this case. That's an interesting question. It, if like a, if a Searchlight NC seventeen movie is just not something that's possible anymore. I mean, it it hit uh, Cinema fifteen in the UK, so I don't think there's anything that intense. Yeah, so that's that, not their those, highest those, rating. That's not their highest rating. All those Brits, they love, they love BJ's such just just thinking about how i saw like a extended rimming scene on the staircase on hbo and you know that's one in people's homes every week oh my i know turn it out to the left 
Take it back now, y'all. One hop this time. Right foot, let's stomp. Left foot, let's stomp. Cha-cha now, y'all. Now it's time to get funky. To the right now. To the left. Take it back now, y'all. Our last segment for tonight, we're going to talk about a movie that is in theaters, technically. It's also Mm -hmm. streaming (laughs) right now. You can watch it from home on Apple TV+. Plus. It's called Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Um, This movie did debut at the Sundance Film Festival 20. 22? What year is mm. it? Mm-hmm. Um, this, it is year, this year, same year yeah, as Good Luck right. Did Grand it win the yeah. Audience Award? It kind of won big, It won right? the like, Grand Jury Prize and the Audience Award. Good Lord, did it really? Oh, oof. okay, buckle up, everybody. Here we go. We're going to talk about Cha-Cha Real <laughs> Smooth, which has won awards, apparently. Um, David, I wish had I wish he was here for this conversation, because I know he really enjoyed this movie. You can read his review at indiewire.com um but it will be up to the three of us to talk about cha-cha real smooth which is the the sophomore feature from writer director actor producer cooper rafe who is 26 rafe. years old is it's pronounced rafe oh, I, I interviewed him last I'm, week and i got him I'm to confirm it himself okay perfect i mean it well, wouldn't be you if you weren't mispronouncing somebody's name Thank, so you know that is right. the brand. <laughs> it's on brand it's part of my brand um mm-hmm. cooper rife okay so this shit has uh made he's 26 years old jesus and he's already made his second movie good mm-hmm. for him i mean we actually talked about his first movie shit house we did uh back in 2020 which played at a virtual south by southwest you can go listen to our conversation about that on episode 321 i did the homework here people. wow uh, thank you and uh i think at that time david and i had seen that movie i'm not sure about the two of you but we, we i watched in- it for our podcast so oh, did, must- did you like it yeah, I, I loved I didn't see it, it. I, I didn't see it south by no i didn't see um, it south by. i thought it was fine i thought it, it was a very interesting and promising. tiny little release it's a it's a little well, it, movie it, it was it was at the pandemic south by that got canceled at the last minute which is exactly what happened to Sundance where it went uh, suddenly right. virtual at the last minute which is weird right. so everyone was watching Shit House at home which was probably a good thing for, for that kind of like really low budget I, I, Cooper Rife um, hooked up with um, the Duplass brothers at some point like they saw something in this kid this emerging he filmmaker. tweeted at Jay yeah. Duplass to get his attention wow. yeah that and is it worked extremely 20 year old of him um and yeah and it worked and he made shithouse and it was a cool debut uh, starring him written directed by him as well and about like navigating college life and and move and like being a freshman i think and just like figuring that out and now he's back with with cha-cha real smooth which sees him he back in the starring role here as this guy Andrew, who is out of college and trying to figure out like what to do next. I've seen some people compare this movie to Garden State. I'd be interested in in and working that one out with people if there's comparisons to be made there. But I I don't necessarily see that except for Andrew is kind of a wayward soul. He doesn't know what to do after college, so he graduates from Tulane and moves back to New Jersey, uh, somewhere in New Jersey, and. And works at a fast food joint, lives at his mom and stepdad's house, and kind of falls into a side job being like the teen whisperer of local bar mitzvahs. He's the guy who can get everyone dancing and having a good time. And what is the word that they use for this? Party starter. Party starter. What a job. Like... 
no, that's not a job. No one has ever had a part. Based on what job, I've learned it? about New Jersey, you might be encountering these kids. Uh, okay, maybe I. Now that I live life. here, I will yeah. be a party star. I'm going to become a party star. I, honestly, honestly, oh, that fits so well mm-hmm. for you. You think I, think I could, could do, do it? it? You think I could become yeah. a party yeah. starter? Thank you so much. Go be a party starter. So Andrew is a party starter, and he is trying to figure out his life. And then he, at one of the bar mitzvahs, actually at the first bar mitzvah. He sees someone from across the room. Who is it? Mm. It's Dakota Johnson, the hottest lady, the hottest mom at the bar mitzvah. Uh, she is there with her daughter, who is living with autism and, and figuring that out. And she is seemingly a single mom, but we'll learn later that she is engaged. And but Andrew is falling over on top of himself to to to. He's entranced. He wants to be with this woman. And the movie is a very down-to-earth, again, kind of of coming-of-age story about him connecting with this woman, learning about her life. There's a bit about his mom, who's played by Leslie Mann. She's kind of having manic episodes, and he's talking to her. He's kind of coaching his brother on how to how to navigate women and his brother is much younger than him he's like 13 he's going his to brother the is the so one who's yeah, cool. up. right exactly so he's like here's how to kiss a girl um the movie is kind of about nothing and about life and it's a very sundancey movie and man it got such kind of rave reactions from someone i did not attend virtual sundance this year so i was just experiencing reactions uh just like everybody else and it seemed to go over very well apple bought it for like 15 million dollars um this movie sent me up a wall i hate this movie and i can't wait to talk about it with people uh, because i i love i think shithouse is a really good movie but andrew is an insidious a-hole he and, and cooper has 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 cast himself as the greatest human on the planet. He has descended from heaven in order to fix everybody's problems and woo older women. And I, I got to talk, we got to talk about this movie because I'm just like, what the hell was he thinking making this indulgent, stupid surface level movie? I don't get cha-cha real smooth at all. So if, if somebody is, you don't, is rah, you don't think this movie this, is please. about him learning that, like thinking that he's been getting away with everything his entire life and learning that that's not going to fly anymore. No, like you don't think no there's a, there's a come up in here and he has no problems at the end. His problem is that he's like, it's like kind of a job interview he's like too nice and and too helpful and maybe he should stop helping so much and maybe he just needs to like step back from his large goals and just end up in a service job helping kids it's like he's just the most perfect human on the planet and then you make a movie where he is falling in love with an older woman and it's her problem it's like well, they could be together, but she has a lot of baggage to deal with. And it's not, there's no conflict for him. He's just walking gonna... scene through scene. He just smiles so much. There's so many <laughs> close-ups of, of Cooper Rife smiling in this movie. You just, I don't want to punch a guy, but I just want to stop looking at his But smile. you do want to punch a guy. He's just like I, I a, he's just like a dog he, sniffing I, my ass over and over. Like, I feel him. the same way if he, I'd be the same way if he had a, a happy ending. But I think the point is... This guy never learns because he doesn't learn any lessons throughout the film. And we watch him uh, repeat, you know, the same mistakes and not have the self-awareness. Okay, first of all, I think this movie is perfectly enjoyable. There's zero actual conflict in it, as Patches is alluding to, which I think makes it an enjoyable watch for an indie film. I do think there's something slightly more insidious to him being uh, super nice 
uh, as you're characterizing it, like the nice guy, he is to a fault because that's what gets him attention and is pull away from the opening uh, sequence where we see him 10 years before sort of fall in love from a distance uh, with a party starter is uh, every woman in this movie is the same woman and it's that woman. Mm. And it's the woman where he wants his he wants her attention so bad he doesn't actually see or give a shit about whatever the fuck she's going through. Mm-hmm. What he sees is, oh, this is a complex woman that he then makes a story around. But because of that, maybe even the uh, the daughter with autism fits into this same thing because he also wants to just be liked by her and have her attention. And she just happens to really connect with his personality. This movie's a very sad movie about what it's like to be 22 and a man and to have been rewarded for being the type of person that everyone likes. And in 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 the current world, in by virtue of being like a white man in society, the bar is so low that it's either I'm afraid of him or I'm laughing at him. Right. And if you could stay in the I'm laughing at him range, he can coast through life without ever knowing himself, which is what he's accused of in the end and what I think is ultimately true. This is a very happy movie, that is ultimately super sad because this but dude's stuck in a you hole think this movie because he's has selfish. That moment of like self-flagellation, like I don't, I don't see it having that epiphany. Do, do you? Like, I mean, this, I mean, at the end, it doesn't work the, out so well for him and his romantic exploits. Yeah, no. In the but end, he, he breaks down in the car and seems to like have sort of noticed it, and he gets his mom to come pick him up because he's been drunk, drunk, and he sort of gets hit over the head with it. And then he goes right back to partying, which is where we pick up from him at the beginning. So the idea is, no, he doesn't learn anything. Uh, he's incapable of turning it inwards. Except he gets a inwards. great job, and he's like helping society now. He's now redirected his kind of lust into helping people. You know, I don't want... We won't spoil too much here, but like, there's not too much to spoil. This movie is very experiential, and as you said, like, his voice is very clear. I, the reason I definitely wanted to talk about this movie is that it's interesting, no matter what, whether it's people think it's mm. good or people think it's bad. I think it's great to watch a movie by Cooper Rifen, like, watch someone who is 26 get to make movies. I'm very excited by this new generation that I, you know, for all I know. This kid went to Emerson and he listens to our podcast and he made movies. I'm like, I'm scared that there's now a generation of people who've like listened to us over the years who are now making movies. Freak it. That freaks me out. Um, but yes, this this is exciting that there's like people who are embedded in their in their 20s making movies about their 20s. But there is something just like way off. And I'm weird about like the commercialization of of indie filmmaking. Like this movie is saccharine in a, in a kind of terrifying way. This movie is mm. devoid of real emotions. In that it started to to jolt me. Like there is a scene. Uh, we should talk about his relationship with Dakota Johnson. It's the core of the movie, and like what you think he's chasing there. Because in the the very first scene of the movie is a uh, young Andrew at his. Is it? Is it his bar mitzvah? It's at or someone else's. So, no, I think. someone, no, it's someone else's. Because he's yeah. actually not Jewish, which is interesting. And I wish we had David here too, so we could represent the, the tribe here a bit. But uh, mm. you know, I I do find it interesting that. It's, it's kind of about Jewish culture, but he's the outsider and he's commenting and he's kind of like spoofing bar mitzvah culture, but he's not part of the tribe. Um, it's interesting. But anyway, it's a young Andrew and he... That's what he's doing with everything in his I life. Know, you just described what I was trying to say. But it doesn't have that... It, he's not looking in the mirror. He's actually not... He doesn't take that moment to no. be like... Eh. He can't. The movie doesn't. He can't. 
It's all an endorsement. He's the greatest I human know. on earth, according to Chacha. I think I think that's not deliberately ignoring the end of the movie. It's really? okay for him. It's okay for his life to turn out okay, and for him to also have learned from his experience. Like I just don't. See he gets learning. rejected at the end of this movie, and he doesn't know better than to like. He doesn't realize that this you know relationship he's building with Dakota Johnson is not a real relationship until she has to tell it to him, and her husband or her fiance has to say it to him out loud. Sorry, Billy's we're spoiling things. Um, like he has to be told by a lot of adults around him, like, hey, idiot, go grow up a little bit and then maybe you'll understand what adult relationships are. Yeah, this is definitely a movie made by somebody who is currently 26 or 27. And either it's great on purpose and is what I think it is. It's great by accident because it is what I think it is. Or he did like the dumbest thing possible, which is for a sophomore movie to write himself a character without. Flaws. I guess my. Which is the dumbest thing to do possible. <laughs> I guess my problem is the one thing he needs to learn is that he's a he's a little too young and not wise enough to know that he shouldn't be in a relationship with Dakota Dakota Johnson who ha- Dakota Donson. I just did the, the flip there. Um, that it's all the same. Per- it's all the, the same character. There is a, it- a bigger minefield that he's stepping on that is unacknowledged, and there's a few things that come up. One is the way that he bonds with her daughter who has autism and. And the way that he connects with her is insidious to me. Like he is chasing Dakota Johnson and then he pivots to start like caring for the, uh, the autistic daughter. And that is just, that's not a, that's not a flaw. Like that's a plus. He's like a great guy who can connect with uh, an autistic child and there's, and he gets to pat her back and he gets to play. Uh, what what games did they play together? I can't remember specific. They, Uno. He buys her it looks Rubik's like Cube. Scrabble yeah, or something like that. Uh, yeah, they play. No, they play actually play Bananagrams, which is a very twenty something. Bananagrams. Yes. Um, but like that whole thing, it just goes uncommented on. It's like the relationship he bo- forms with. Her, it, it's he is just a holy man. I it, it kept thinking. You think about, you think like, it's fruit of the poison tree? The fact that he was interested in her mom first means that like their relationship is not. Yes, and now um, he offers to be the the caretaker proper. for the the girl. Like that's weird and gross, and that's insane. Well, I think I think him volunteering to babysit for the woman he has a crush on is a stupid idea, and I think the movie does acknowledge it that. Doesn't like, blow I, up like, in I, his I, face. And I he, see. He I mean, it kind of does right. because he gets involved more in her life, and it's not a good idea. It blows up in his face in a way that it also doesn't have to blow up in her face because it's not her fault. This guy is looking for attention from everywhere. Him doing it to the daughter of somebody who's, you he know, the autistic daughter of somebody he's hitting on. kids, like... Everything in his life is that same performance. He wants older women who could handle their own problems because he sees them but is not interested in them to shower attention on him. And in return from that, he gives them what he sees as care but it's not care. It's a manipulative suck. And it's the same. That's why it's like the mom by Leslie Mann has bipolar right. disorder, but it doesn't factor into the plot. It the woman we the see at the beginning a takes a, dis- she doesn't go to the takes a distressing, takes a distressing phone. That That's a reason to move her around. The woman at the beginning takes a phone call and is obviously distressed, but is able to like smile and come back and like put it on the woman at the end, Dakota Johnson, finally at the end, does the exact same thing where it's like she has problems, but he's approaching it from a completely selfish angle. So again, this might be somebody who knows what they're doing, but also might be just a 27 year old white man trying to write a screenplay. There's one woman echoed in all the women. I see that as a flaw of the movie. I, I, you know, I don't care how old you are. You made a movie. 
ultimately it's trying to say something and it will connect with some people but i i i i think there's something misguided about the way that this movie considers andrew and the and the path there there's not enough kind of reflection on it and i also think i i saw um Jessica Gross of the New York Times, who writes the parenting uh, newsletter, she mentioned one of the scenes and or flagged one, and she was kind of like aghast about it. And, and upon reflection, I think it is kind of weird. So we are way into this movie. If you haven't seen it, go go watch this movie because I'm gonna. Oh, I guess I'm, I might. You know, this is about. Already. I'm gonna like talk about a spoiler. The maybe one big spoiler scene of the movie, which is that Dakota Johnson is apparently pregnant and has a miscarriage during one of the bar mitzvahs and is yeah. like bleeding out in the bathroom. And here comes goofy old Andrew with his big smile to make everything better somehow and like I'll drive you home. I understand. Like. And then they, he takes her back, and she just showers it off. And then they're like flirting and hook up at the at in the house afterwards. After he puts the autistic daughter to bed, I'm just like, what fantasy are you living? In? This is where I, I I just think he's living a he, he's out of his depth actually as a as a twenty something. Just like there's no lived experience of this movie. It is a it is a fantasy of what you might want to do if you were a younger guy interacting in like a real quote unquote way with with older women or like in real life. I just like, there is no lived life in this movie. And that's what's that threw me off about the yeah. whole thing. It's just like, you're, you're, you're there, kind of a, there's a very lived I life. I feel like he's writing a movie. There's a very lived life in this movie. Reflective about youth, except he's not, he's not old. This guy exists. I, this guy exists. I knew him in high school. What happens is eventually they find a woman that doesn't know herself well enough to say no to that sort of love bombing. And they end up in a relationship where neither of them are capable of actually loving each other. They just both constantly drain each other. And that happens. And it happens with people who try to like... Johnson's in a functional relationship. Hate. Yeah, that's why she doesn't need this kid around. And she like so why wants does it happen a little bit of attention. Because she wants a little bit of attention. And I mean, I kind of think I agree with you about the miscarriage thing about how weird it is that she would behave in that way. But I, I get the idea of her like wanting to like jump out of her life or her fiance isn't around that much but you know want something that feels harmless and then get out well also it's like if he's looking for somebody who is ultimately damaged he's going to run across damaged people so she's allowed to act however she wants after a super traumatic experience and have that be confusing and i would have held the movie more in contempt of itself if it didn't stop it as soon as it started in that particular in instance I'm coming at this movie very hard. Katie, did you like Chacha Real Smooth? Yeah, I think I'm with Dave. I think I liked it fine. I thought it was, you know, like a small scale movie. Like, I don't know if Cooper Rife needs to continue being in his own movies. And when I interviewed him relatively recently, it sounded like that doesn't, isn't really his long term plan. Um, I think he is fine. And I think Dakota Johnson is like clearly the better actor when they're on screen together. I mean, I think you can certainly ask yourself, like, how many coming-of-age white guy stories do we still need in this culture? Like, is this really adding something new to the genre? Like, I don't know <laughs> that it really is, but I think in terms of, like, finding someone who has a voice and who can make a movie that is, like, thought-provoking and makes you care about people on a limited budget, like, I'm interested to see what he does from here. Do you think it's interestingly directed? Does it feel like it has any visual mm. panache. I mean, it, it's interesting that he has been shepherded by the Duplass brothers who have also made the step up from like Mumblecore to 
better produced, more money, a bit more visual panache. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I think he's in a similar mode where it's like, uh, just shoot the actors and maybe like during the, you know what this movie needed? More bar mitzvahs, <laughs> more dance mm. sequences, like more. I wish the whole movie could have been contained within the bar mitzvahs so that there would be more almost like set pieces or something. There's so much now cut to you, now cut to you, now cut to you, now cut to you. It's like, there's more. To There's do a lot of people here, talking right? in rooms. It's just weird to me how this movie exists in no time. Of uh, like, you know, nobody's the leaving cell messages. The kids aren't watching TikTok at the bar mitzvah. They do sing wet ass. There pussy. is it like a text? They sing wet ass pussy. Uh, there's no like text message exchange. There's no like he's looking right. at his universal, uh, girlfriend's but... photos on Instagram, but it's like that's like a plot point for a second just so we know that it, there's like a boyfriend yeah it's just it's it is kind of uh i, I don't know timeless it, needless, timeless in a negative needlessly way. there's no specificity yeah, needlessly yes too unspecific or like he joins a charity uh but uh, you know they, they never like reference the news or anything where they could have like sent him into a charity so he knew a little bit more because I don't know at the end of the movie, Patch, as you're saying, it's like he gets this great job. Like, I don't know if the movie wants us to be like, he got a great job or just like he got I a don't know. job, I, but he I doesn't think the get latter. Love, I think it's like, you know? wow, like, this great man has achieved something great, even in the face of, of things that didn't go his way. Wow. I think so it's great. about him, like, learning to pick himself up and do something for society uh, as opposed to kind of like fumbling around for himself. He's so perfect. I don't think the movie decides which way it is, which is why he ends itself, you know, he ends dancing at the club where he started, dancing at the club. Except this one's farther away I from the college or something. I will say the scenes of him dancing at the club made me a little jealous. I uh, am nostalgic for that moment of my life where we could go Nobody to has a mask on? That's what I should have really... Mm. It doesn't take place in a pandemic. But it's like a timer. You just want to go dance <laughs> yeah. in a club, is what you're saying. I'd love to go dance at a club, wouldn't you? Yeah, you can't tell me that if right now I walked into a bar mitzvah, there wouldn't be like still a quarter of people wearing masks. I don't know, Dave. You need to get out of these uh, little liberal pockets you're in and expose to uh, real America and go to no, Maplewood, New no Jersey. No one's wearing masks. Yeah, <laughs> actually, Maplewood's definitely a bubble. Uh, but uh, yeah, the cha-cha real smooth. I, I, I think why it's still so interesting is is to your point, Katie. Like we're still making. The coming of age, Sundancey, low budget movie where a guy and a girl just stare at each other for a while, and it's still kind of a manic pixie dream girl situation. Mm. But he's the manic pixie I mean, dream I girl. Think that... He's perfect. I don't know. Here's what it is. I think every generation gets its independent, you know, Sundance shoegazers, just like every generation gets its like dumb teenage like slasher horror. These are the realms of the young people because this is how you break into things and you know you do your things. This is how the Colin Trevorrows of oh, the Lord. world get their start. Oh Lord, Cooper Rife. I'm Jurassic yeah. Park Seven. Let's go. Jesus so Christ. you know, thank thank God, uh, sophomore picture was Cha Cha Real Smooth <laughs> and not uh, Star Wars Yoda or oh, something like well, that. Well, I'm You know, uh, let l- let him make Cha Cha Real Smooth. Katie, do, uh, does Cooper? I mean, what's what do you think? You've talked to him. Uh, yeah. Where, where, what is his career like? 
piggyback. Well, what he movie. told me is that he wants to be kind of more like the Duplasses and like produce other people's stuff. Like he's working on a TV show uh, in the near future. Uh, um, I don't think acting it feels like the path that he wants to do. Um, but yeah, he said he wants to like help other people get their work made. And like, I think the process of making Cha Cha real smooth was kind of eye opening in terms of how hard it was to like have his vision done. So he could pivot into becoming a producer. I don't know how you do that when you've got this much attention on you as like a tour of the future. So I'm curious if he I actually think that dies down that. pretty quickly. So I wouldn't worry. It probably does. Um, you know, I don't know what the metric for success for this movie is going to be. It's being released on Apple. I don't see it being a coda thing but then again i didn't see it being i didn't no see coda being coda so yeah i mean i don't think it has I, the, I, I cannot predict the future i don't think it has the hook you know coda had a few i agree like i i, I don't think it's gonna have that path there. but but yeah i mean i think he can kind of write his own ticket in many ways so hopefully he does well, well with it he seems aware of like what it means, the privilege of being a white guy breaking into the indie film world, and he seems to, like, even if you don't think the movie reflects it, like, I think he knows to use this this power wisely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the movie Hopefully. has some stylish moments and some comedic flourishes, and I think Shithouse is, is more personal and a, and a more successful movie, and I... Th- I'm glad that Cooper Rife is is not uh, Trank. I've been in the in the trenches of the next <laughs> auteur hotshot. You know, I've I've followed that path, and I don't think he's going to go make Fantastic Four or something like. Well, maybe they're looking for a director, so maybe Cooper Rife is the guy for a Fantastic Four movie. Good, he's probably having some weird meetings. Good Jesus Christ! He needs Lord. to do. He- he needs to do one more movie to beat Shane Carruth, and then maybe I'll I'll get used I was about to saying to say, his The name. other thing I'm worried about with him is like milkshake ducking, but I I, I, I you know who knows. Wow. Well, I just I, I wish him the best, and uh, I'm interested. I just like I want to see where these young people go and what that fascinates them. You I, don't have to make us sound so old. We on are this episode. old. Like we are. I know. We're, we're, we're like old. like I reckon like they they can be young people. You just don't have to emphasize how much younger they are than us. They're hot All shots. The time. We're I don't know what are we. We're not. We're the middle. We're the middle. We're not. I think it's called middle aged, aged, my friend. I think it's called middle aged. Yeah, I bet we're still older than Dakota Johnson's. I'm uh, younger fiance. than you are. You're old now. I mean younger. We're younger than Dakota no, Johnson's fiance, no, right? No, I think we're. I think we're older than Dakota okay. Johnson's fiance. Oh. She's supposed to be 29 in the movie. Oh, she is. She's 32. Yeah. He seems old. He seems older though. She's 32 in real life. Doesn't he I'm seem older. like an older guy? He seems older. Yeah, maybe, but I still, but like ten years older. I don't think so. Hang on. I'm gonna look up Raúl Castillo. He is 44, so he's oh, old. See? He's old. He's oh, old. Okay. See? All right. Okay. Okay. I actually like Raúl Castillo in this in movie, world. where he just comes into yeah, scenes he's and he's like, "Get the fuck out of my house!" Or like, "Who are mm-hmm. you?" Yep. Uh, yeah. But then yeah. he has to obviously. There's a reason that you like him. That's that's why the movie he is well done. Compliments Andrew later in the movie, and I'm like, "Come on, don't this guy sucks." He's he's the only one that's seeing the movie as reality. Otherwise, we're just like in this. Ah, uh, this character makes me so mad. Character. Yes, the perfect that's it. That's boy. it. Fuck him. Patches, right? Cha cha two. Cha cha. Cha cha two smooth. Turbulent. Uh. Cha cha two real. Cha cha two real. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my it's god! It's in theaters. It's on Apple TV Plus. You can go watch it. No, the the your sequel is gonna be called Take It Back Now, Y'all, or One Hop This Time. <laughs> Have you guys done the Cha Cha slide right, but let's at stop. A, an event? Yeah. 
That should have been yeah, my oh, first Yeah, oh, for question. sure. I did it. Yes. The first, the first time I ever did it was Michael and I went on a cruise. Um, oh, yeah, that sounds right. And it was the first time either of us had ever heard it, and we, we learned it. Um, although, I didn't realize that song came out in 2000. I don't feel like I started encountering the cha-cha. Real, oh, really? I the cha-cha like slide doing in, that at, at until long school, after that. High school dances. You don't think so? Oh, really? I don't think so. Oh, I'm young. you know what? No, I might be. Th- I think I might be thinking of a different line dance. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of the Cupid Shuffle. The Cupid Shuffle? I've never, never heard of that. Shuffle? No. Oh my god. I mean, there's no way to describe it that would be entertaining to a podcast listener. So let's just let's no. Just I know. I know what the closing music is going to be, though. Oh wow! Forcing Dave's hand. <laughs> the Cupid uh, Shuffle. I'm going to yeah. be listening to this after the podcast is over. I was going to get stuck in your head. New Cupid. New Cupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Top of change. Top That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, tell people who you are. I'm Matt Patches, deputy editor over at Polygon.com, but I'm on leave right now, so I, I hope they're doing well over there. Uh, and we have a website, fightingintheworm.com, where you can listen to old episodes like our, our praise-filled review of, of Shithouse, episode 321, <laughs> um, where we apparently also talked about World of Tomorrow 3. So that that is a very positive episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, fightingintheworm.com. Go listen to old episodes. As a review uh, at the top of the show suggested, the old episode's still good. And here's where I tell you about David Ehrlich, who you heard last week and will hear in the future. You could follow him on Twitter at David Ehrlich. If you don't know how to spell that, you could Google him. He's the most Googleable of the, th- of the four of us. So try that. He's the uh, senior critic at IndieWire. Uh, I am Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at DA70. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and David will read it aloud on the pod. You could send us an email if you live internationally with your review to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com you can listen to me on trial by content with joanna and neil it's over on the ringer uh i really need your votes this week for the indiana jones theme for best uh john williams uh, theme mm. so please jump over there and uh, why check is it out. david the fun, most googleable of all of us what does that i mean? was just gonna say i think i'm pretty i think i'm pretty Googleable. I, I, I don't i don't think is anyone has my name so i feel like i'm very Googleable. anyone yeah. Wow. I mean, no, not another Matt Patches at anywhere. I don't think so. Wow. All right, other Matt Patches. I just always pictured with what makes name the person, what makes someone like, the most Googleable? That if you Google their name, they're they are the only result that comes. I up. I would venture to guess that I at least dominate at three pages of Google without any other instance. Look at this confident young white man here <laughs> telling me. I'm about a regular that. Cooper Wright. <laughs> what he's doing? I'm Andrew. We need. Let me we rub need your back. People, uh, on, we need people on VPNs to do some research here because, of course, you're going to be the I first would love Matt to Patches you know pull up if you Google yourself. Not me instance of Matt Patches is. It's probably, it's probably like Patches. Patches. Uh, uh, Home Depot doormat yeah. repair. Yeah, patches for uh, like a sleep mat at a. Uh, at a daycare patches for mats i'm uh, there's definitely another dave gonzalez that i'm always battling with so that you know no no good there i'm continuing to uh scroll I'm, through I'm and see what i can find I'm, uh... oh bridging matt and patches in poly polyroofing.co.za wow. 
Is that mm. Zaire? Uh, I'm Zambia? seeing tapes, beads, and patches. Mattsbuildingmaterials.com. Huh. Well, go over there. That's my recommendation. Cool I patch don't know pumpkins. What, dot, what country is dot .za? I'm looking up this address. South Africa. Yeah, Zaire. That's interesting. Anyway, this is all the right, great so part of the really podcast Google where we just gotta <laughs> ramble on and it's the end. We can't end the show though. I'm not done. I haven't I have not told you where to find me. That's right. Uh you can find me at Vanity Fair and on the Little Gold Men podcast where you can hear me talking to Cooper Reif. Or on this week's episode, you can hear me talking to Taika Waititi and Ron Howard, which was really fun. I wish it had been the two of them together. Um you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H, and we're all on Twitter. Where uh, at FITWR, where uh, you can find us your other examples of map patches on Google. I'm, I'm interested. Um, or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was In honor of the black phone, what cinema's most memorable phone call? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. I just let the music come from my soul, so all of my people can stay on the floor. They got a brand new dance. You gotta move your muscle. Show you how it goes. No, to the right, to the right, to the right, to the right, to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. Yeah, kick, yeah, kick, yeah, kick. Now walk it by yourself. Now walk it by yourself. My fair lady, I'm done.